But I want you to understand how wicked he is. How wicked he is. And how wicked this system is. Daniel Cameron is no different than the sellout Negroes that sold our people into slavery. One day when the glory comes, it will be out, it will be out. Oh, one day when the war is won, we will be This is Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Because the Black Lives Matter movement emerged under a black president, black attorney general, and black homeland security, and they couldn't deliver, you see? So that when you talk about the masses of black people, the precious poor and working class black people, poor and working class brown, red, yellow, whatever color, they're the ones who are left out and they feel so thoroughly powerless, helpless, hopeless, then you get rebellion. And we've reached the point now, it's a choice between nonviolent revolution, and by revolution what I mean is the democratic sharing of power, resources, wealth, and respect. If we don't get that kind of sharing, you're going to get more violent explosions. America's chickens coming home. Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Janice Graham. Our common ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our common ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk that matters. matters. Welcome to Our Common Ground. We're so glad to have you with us. Thank you for for joining us. We are transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. We hope that you are well as we come into this edition of Our Common Ground. Tonight, we are talking about the sovereignty 
And uh, I think that sometimes it's real helpful for us to understand our problems in the context in which they happen. We are also noting as we come into this edition of Our Common Ground that there are currently 7,684,846 coronavirus cases in the United States. To date, there have been, as a result of this pandemic, 214,277 deaths, and we are reporting that 4,818,000 people plus have recovered or are in recovery for this virus. And we need to start calling it COVID-19 coronavirus. That is what it is. We also, I don't know how many of you were Game of Thrones fans. Well, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. I have, as a matter of fact, three dragon eggs that sit in my den. And I have a pen which declares me the hand of this universe. So I'm looking at what happened in the United States political universe on this week. Some of you may refer to it as the Rose Garden Massacre. I... I refer to it as the Red Wedding. It was brutal. It was stupid. And we are still, these are the leaders and the people who contribute to the political leadership of the this administration who all gathered together. Even a nominee for the United States Supreme Court did not have the judgment to ensure after her recovery from having this virus to ensure that her family was protected by wearing masks. She brought all of her children to the Rose Garden or the Red Wedding and none of them were wearing masks, including The U.S. Attorney General, Bill Barr, Chris Christie, Kellyanne Conway, Senator Mike Lee, and they all right now have reported, Chris Christie, as a matter of fact, has been hospitalized. He says at the advice of his physician, but he is in a hospital in New Jersey. Uh, but they have all been, have reported that they are positive for the virus. Additionally, as we come in tonight, we are reporting that the President of the United States is now being taken, seeking, receiving medical care 
at the Walter Reed Medical Center by a medical team of 12 people. 12 people, including three pulmonologists, and that is the report. Um, Alpha is in our chat room, which you can join him at blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG, reminding me that also Senator Ron Johnson has now reported that he has tested positive. None of these people were wearing masks at the Rose Garden, and none of these people wore masks doing the preparation for president, the ill president, illegitimate president, Donald Trump's preparation for the disaster of a debate. And we're going to be talking all about that. Yeah, we're going to give you time tonight to do some uh, political gossip. Can you get a gossip boss going on? And uh, also... Alpha in our chat room is asking me to address a raw story story uh, regarding three GOP senators who are Democrats can now seize control of the Senate. I haven't read the story. I'll try to do it during um, a break or something. Uh, doing the program. But we do thank you for, for joining us. Our number is 347-838-9852. You know, um, I'm in the middle, and I haven't completed it, of reading Isabel Wilkerson's book titled Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents. And it is a wonderful book, uh, and I thank Elle Michelle who is in our chat room as well, for inviting me to be part of an online virtual discussion group uh, as we read the book together. And I'm really enjoying it, even though I missed the last two because um, uh, in my retirement, I forget to put things in my reminder. And I even say to Alexa, uh, do this, do that, remind me of this, remind me of that, 30-minute timer for the baking of the bread, and um, uh, and I'm also... Okay, I'll remind you, 30 minutes. See, that's the thing, Alexa, cancel. Um, Alexa also sits on my, on, on my desk in, in my studio. But um, in this book... Something struck me because in the introduction, and, and by the way, if you have not read any of Isabel uh, Wilkerson's work, she is the winner of the Pulitzer Prize for, for her book, The Warmth of Other Suns. And if you have not read that book, you have not been comforted. Remember we did a broadcast and a discussion about Southern Comfort about four or five weeks ago? You have not been comforted. <laughs> you have not been comforted about the Southerness 
the culture of southernness in our survival. Al Michelle is reminding me to have, you can't say her name while you're talking because she responds, but I'm facilitating on October 6th, which is like two days from now. One of the things that happens to me when I'm reading wonderful books is that I go and I stop and I go do research about something that what I'm reading uh, ignites in me. So I want to share with you tonight as we talk about this whole thing. It was it, it was this book, Cast, that got me to thinking that the GOP and the destruction of the GOP the destruction of our government by intrusion uh, from foreign parts and a man who simply has no respect, no understanding, and really has a disdain for the notion, as we understand it in the United States, of the idea of sovereignty. Sovereignty. Now, what is sovereignty? Uh, Let me try to... Sovereignty really is about power and control. Uh, It's a term that's generally used to refer to um, the autonomy of modern nations, Um, unlike eras where uh, countries were ruled by kings, Sovereignty refers to the fact of absolute independence and autonomy. And I think that one of the things why this word sovereignty, this concept of sovereignty is so important is because it is the fiber that fills our democracy. Uh, And And what I'm trying to relay is nations are expected to be autonomous and independent when they pursue policies that are in their interests and their people's interests and not according to the dictates of a foreign power. And I think, unfortunately, we are somehow caught up into interference that is distorting our political destiny, our political destiny. So would somebody let me know if you can hear the rain? I mean, it is raining here like every every day it just rains like the sky is falling and I'll have to move my broadcast into another area uh, from this area. But if you hear it, let me know. Alpha, you're my producer. Let me know if you're hearing an interference. So I wanted to start off this discussion with the introduction to this book. The book is cast the origins of our discontent. 
and then share with you the thoughts of some Americans about the thought of some Americans who have studied the nature of assault on democracy. Here's a passage from Cass, The Origins of Our Discontent by Isabel Wilkerson, and I highly recommend it. The Man in the Crowd. There's a famous black and white photograph from the era of the Third Reich. It is a picture taken in Hamburg, Germany, in 1936, of shipyard workers, a hundred or more, facing the same direction in the light of the sun. They are hailing, you know, like Hi Hitler, in unison. Their right arms rigid in outstretched allegiance to the Führer. If you look closely, you can see a man in the upper right who is different from the others. His face is gentle but unyielding. Modern day displays of the photograph will often add a helpful red circle around the man or an arrow pointing to him. He is surrounded by fellow citizens caught under the spells of the Nazis. He keeps his arms folded to his chest as the stiff palms of the others hover just inches from him. He alone is refusing to salute. He is the one man standing against the tide. Looking back from our vantage point, he's the only person in the entire scene who is on the right side of history. Everyone around him is tragically, fatefully, categorically wrong. In that moment, only he could see it. His name is believed to have been Auguste Landmesser. At the time, he could not have known the murderous path the hysteria around him would lead. But he had already seen enough to reject it. He had joined the Nazi party himself years before. By now, though, he knew firsthand that the Nazis were feeding Germans lies about the Jews, the outcasters of his era, that even this early in the Reich, the Nazis had caused terror, heartache, and disruption. He knew that Jews were anything but untermenschen, that they were German citizens, human as anyone else. He was an Aaron, in love with a Jewish woman, but the recently enacted Nuremberg laws had made their relationship illegal. They were forbidden to marry or to have sexual relations either 
of which amounted to what the Nazis call racial infamy. You remember our conversation last last week on racial infamy, I hope. And for those of you who did not join us last week, it is on demand at blogtalkradio.com backslash Our Common Ground. Back to the book. His personal experience and close connection to the scapegoated caste allowed him to see past the lies and stereotypes so readily embraced by susceptible members, the majority, sadly, of the dominant caste. Though Aaron himself, his openness to the humanity of the people who had been deemed beneath him gave him a stake in their well-being their fates tied to his. He could see what his countrymen chose not to see. We would like, Isabel Wilkerson writes, to believe that we would have taken the more difficult path of standing up against injustice in defense of the outcast. But unless people are willing to transcend their fears, endure discomfort and derision, suffer the scorn of loved ones and neighbors and co-workers and friends, fall into disfavor of perhaps everyone they know, face exclusion and even banishment, it would be numerically impossible, humanly impossible, for everyone to be that man. What would it take to be him in any era? What would it take to be him now? And we'll talk about it on the other side of this. Okay, I'm on the wrong computer. Lord have mercy. Florida, retiring in Florida, they forget to tell you that it rains, and when it's not raining, it's 99 degrees, and when it's not 99 degrees, the humidity is 250%. So, (laughs) and you grill not every day, which was my hope. We'll talk about all of this on the other side of this. And I still, to this day, counsel, don't see anything wrong with taking the Ayatollah's money and sending it to support the Nicaraguan freedom fighters. They have basically said to the entire United States, we don't care what the people say, we don't care what the Congress says, we don't care what the other oversight organizations say, we're going to find some way to rid the planet of communism, and we don't care who gets killed in the process. As long as there is breath in this body, I will speak and work, strive and struggle for the cause of the Nicaraguan freedom fighters. Freedom fighters, they are not. They are terrorists. Wait a minute. This isn't the way the Constitution was set up. This isn't what the Founding Fathers intended. We start out breaking foreign laws, since most countries have laws against secretly overthrowing their governments, and then you end up breaking the law at home. Sometimes you have to go above the written law. They were willing to literally put the Constitution at risk uh, because they believed somehow there was a higher order of things. We have liberty. And the only way we're going to keep liberty is to have people who are strong 
like Reagan and North. Violence is not the answer. Uh, you don't teach the democratic way by shoving an M-16 down somebody's throat. If we continue these policies to rob ourselves in order to feed this national security monster, we are going to continue to degrade American life. We're only talking about subverting the Constitution, that's all. During this 200th anniversary of our Constitution, Americans are debating the document's meaning. It's a debate about war and peace, freedom and justice, and it's heard from the Capitol down to Main Street, and in this song by pop singer Jackson. What Jackson Brown sings about is history, past and present. I'm Bill Moyers, and in this personal essay, we'll look at that government in the shadows. Next week, Congress will publish a report on the Iran-Contra scandal. My colleagues and I have been investigating it ourselves. In this broadcast, we'll look at what we learned about the secret government in the hearings this summer, the wars and tragedies that have been a part of it for 40 years, and where it will take us if we, the people, let it. This is how Americans like to think of their government. Its values are enshrined in beautiful monuments and noble inscriptions, the temples of our national faith. But for 40 years, a secret government has been growing behind these stately tributes to American ideals, growing like a cancer on the Constitution. It's what people were talking about this summer. They were talking about the abuse of secret power, a breach of faith. Not everybody tells the truth. <laughs> Not everybody thinks the public is entitled to know the truth. And uh, not everybody thinks they should go by the law. But I don't think we'll ever know the truth about what really happened. I mean, I feel like there's still lies out there, and we still don't know. The thing I started thinking was, this must happen all the time. This time they just got caught. People lined up early every day, waiting to listen in person to the Iran-Contra hearings, while millions watched from home on television. Members of the secret government had been forced from the shadows into the spotlight. I will tell you right now, Council, and all the members here gathered, that I misled the Congress. I mis at that meeting. At that meeting. Face to face. Face to face. You made false statements to them about your activities in support of the Contras. I did. Oliver North had been the secret government's chronic liar, long on zeal for his president and the cause. But he was not the only zealot, not the only one to deceive. The hearings revealed a wholesale policy of secrecy shrouded in lies, of passion cloaked in fiction and deception. But the hearings told only part of the story, so let's begin on day one. I, Ronald Reagan, do solemnly swear that I will... President Reagan came to office promising to restore America's military and moral prestige in the world. Voters had responded when he pledged to be tough on terrorists, a vow he repeated time and again. Let me further make it plain to the assassins in Beirut and their accomplices, wherever they may be, that America will never make concessions to terrorists. That's what the president kept saying but it's not what he was doing. The story broke one year ago, on November 3rd, 1986, in a magazine in Lebanon. 
the United States had defied its own embargo on arms to Iran. Ronald Reagan was offering weapons to the Ayatollah Khomeini in return for the release of American hostages. The president went on television to deny it. The charge has been made that the United States has shipped weapons to Iran as ransom payment for the release of American hostages in Lebanon. That the United States undercut its allies and secretly violated American policy against trafficking with terrorists. Those charges are utterly false. The president was not telling the truth. And when he held a news conference the next week, the pattern of deception continued. Mr. President, I don't think it's still clear just what Israel's role was in this. Could you explain what the Israeli role was here? No, because we, as I say, have had nothing to do with other countries or their shipment of arms or doing what they're, they're doing. That wasn't the truth either. Half an hour later, the White House press office corrected the president. Israel had been a key player in the sale of arms to Iran. Rapidly now, the web of secrets was unraveling. On November 25th, the president's old friend and ally, Attorney General Edwin Meese, revealed the deepest secret of all. Certain monies which were received in the transaction between representatives of Israel and representatives of Iran were uh, taken and made available to the forces in Central America which are opposing the Sandinista government there. The Constitution is ambiguous on many things, but not on this. The president, quote, shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed. Yet President Reagan himself approved selling arms to Iran. And as for the illegal diversion of funds to the Contras, well, the president's national security advisor said the decision had been his. I made a very deliberate decision not to ask the president so that I could insulate him from the decision and provide some future deniability for the president if it ever leaked out. But there was no denying that the president's men knew what was in the president's mind. And he had been very adamant at the time that he says, look, I don't want to pull out our support for the Contras for any reason. This, this would be an unacceptable option. Isn't there something that I could do unilaterally? Unilaterally. In other words, without that, congressional approval. Ronald Reagan's message was clear. Find some way, any way, to help the Contras. So I guess in a way they are counter-revolutionary, and God bless them for being that way. And I guess that makes them Contras, and so it makes me a Contra, too. The Contras. Ronald Reagan compared them to our founding fathers. In reality, Ronald Reagan and CIA Director William Casey were their founding fathers. Two months after his inauguration, the president approved the funds which Casey used to create the Contras. Their ultimate goal was the violent overthrow of the Nicaraguan government, a government the United States legally recognizes. So the war had to be carried out covertly as a campaign of terror. But Americans were outraged when CIA agents mined the Nicaraguan harbors and blew up fuel tanks, causing thousands of Nicaraguan citizens to flee their homes. Congress, in protest, cut off the Contra funds. When the president refused to give up on his creation, the Contras cheered. Viva Reagan! Viva Reagan! But how to keep the Contra war going despite Congress, the law, and public opinion? 
first, a small cabal in the White House took charge of policy. The president, CIA Director Casey, National Security Advisors McFarlane and Porndexter, and their aide, Colonel North, who did not wear his Marine uniform when he worked for the secret government. To raise money for the Contras, the secret team turned to right-wing governments that could do favors for the United States and receive favors in return. The king of Saudi Arabia doled out a million dollars a month. The Sultan of Brunei coughed up $10 million that was misplaced through a White House era. The secret government also encouraged the fundraising efforts of General John Singlaub. Relieved of his command for insubordination in 1977, he now runs the World Anti-Communist League. I represent hundreds of thousands of Americans who are sympathetic to your cause and want to help. Here at home, wealthy right-wingers were solicited directly by Oliver North. Some of them were told their contributions would get them invited to the Oval Office. Conservative activist Carl Channel, who later pleaded guilty to conspiracy to defraud the government, worked directly with Colonel North, pumping donors like investor Joseph Aboyle. I take it your encounters involved, invariably involved, both Mr. Channel and Colonel North. And maybe Channel took you to North, and then you met with North, and then subsequently you would meet with Channel. But in a sense, they worked as a team. In a sense, yes. Uh, Mrs. Garwood, is that true in your instance as well? I would say that's a fairly accurate description. All this was being done to advance the president's policies, but it wasn't enough. To get around the law, the White House then enlisted the services of something called the Enterprise. The Enterprise is, is the uh, group of, of companies that uh, Mr. Hakim formed to manage the uh, Contra and the Iranian project. Who controls the Enterprise? I exercised overall control. General Richard Secord has been in and out of covert operations for a quarter century. One of the first Americans to fly secret missions in Vietnam, he also helped run the CIA's secret war in Laos. Secord became a major Pentagon figure in foreign military sales, especially to the Shah of Iran. That's where he met this man, Albert Hakim. Not only was I presented with an opportunity to help my country, the United States, and my native land, Iran, but at the same time, I had the opportunity to profit financially. Albert Hakim was Secord's partner in the enterprise. Born in Iran, he made millions selling American-made arms to the Shah, often relying on bribes and illegal payoffs to ease the way. Now he handled financial matters for the enterprise. Like any good business, the enterprise was designed to make money. Am I correct, Mr. Secord, that from December 1984 until July 1985, you were engaged in selling arms to the countries for profit? That's correct. Then, at the direct request of the secret White House team, the Enterprise brokered American arms to the Ayatollah Khomeini. Beyond Secord and Hakim, it grew to include a shadowy network of arms dealers, fraudulent companies, and secret bank accounts. The enterprise was, as Senator Daniel Inouye put it, a shadowy government with its own air force, its own navy, its own fundraising mechanism, and the ability to pursue its own ideas of the national interest, free from all checks and balances, and free from the law itself. 
Here's just one example of how the enterprise worked. With the full knowledge of William Casey and Oliver North, Secord and Hakim controlled secret bank accounts in Switzerland that received those contributions from private citizens. The money was then funneled to the Contras. One donor was Joseph Coors, the millionaire beer tycoon. Coors met directly with Casey, who referred him to North. I told him that I was interested in, um, uh, in seeing what I could do, and I asked him for his recommendation. And did North, uh, subsequent to the meeting, provide you the Swiss bank account name and number to which your payment should be made? Yes, he did. Joseph Coors deposited $65,000 into the secret account, but that was peanuts compared to the arms deals. Secord purchased 1,000 missiles from the CIA for $3.7 million and sold them to an Iranian middleman for $10 million. On that one transaction alone, after expenses, the enterprise made a profit of $5.5 million, almost 200%. Its overall profits on the sales to Iran may have been as much as $15 million. You did, in fact, use some of those proceeds, approximately, and correct me if my recollection is wrong, about $3.5 million for the Contra effort in Central America. Yes, sir. But most of the money never reached the Contras, including $8 million remaining today in a private Swiss account. Operating in secret, the enterprise was free to put profits above patriotism. They even sold arms directly to the Contras at a huge markup. If the purpose of the enterprise was to help the Contras, why did you charge Calero a markup that included a profit? We were in business to make a living, Senator. We had to make... We had to make a living. I didn't see anything wrong with it at the time. It was a commercial enterprise. Well, I thought the purpose of the enterprise was to, was to aid Calero's cause. Can't I have two purposes? Right. I did. While profits were being made, lives were being lost. Iran has used missiles supplied by the enterprise to fight its war against Iraq. That war has already lasted more than seven years, as many as a million people killed or wounded. And in Nicaragua, the Contras use weapons from the Enterprise against civilians. It's a terrorist war they're fighting. Old men, women, children are caught in the middle or killed deliberately as the Contras use violence against peasants to pressure their government. Thousands have died. Even as the hearings were taking place in Washington this summer, a Contra raid in Nicaragua killed three children and a pregnant woman. As the casualties mounted, the secret government in Washington knew that the Contra leaders were not such noble freedom fighters after all. Colonel North learned that from his own liaison with the Contras, Robert Owen. I was but a private foot soldier who believed in the cause of the Nicaraguan democratic resistance. Owen sent a secret memo to his boss. He reminded North that the chief Contra leader, Adolfo Calero, is a creation of the United States government and he warned North that those around Calero, quote, are not first-rate people, they're liars, greed and power motivated. This war, he said, has become a business to many of them. Owen's judgment has been supported by disillusioned rebels who quit the struggle in disgust with Contra leaders. People who had never dirtied their boots, people who never went to the field, people who didn't even know how to pick up a rifle, pretending being a facade for the CIA, and whose only concern was making money. Alberto Sewer is a former Contra officer who once won the personal congratulations of Ronald Reagan, but then he discovered corruption among the Contras. They bought shoddy goods and put them at high-cup prices. 
They bought low-grade grains like rice and beans and corn and sugar and salt and put them up uh, for sale or build them for themselves at the highest prices. Uh, they did the same with ammunitions. They did the same with rifles. All this, the contempt for Congress, the defiance of law, the huge markups and profits, the secret bank accounts, the shady characters, the shakedown of foreign governments, the complicity in death and destruction, they did all this in the dark because it would never stand the light of day. Secrecy is the freedom zealots dream of. No watchman to check the door, no accountant to check the books, no judge to check the law. The secret government has no constitution. The rules it follows are the rules it makes up. So William Casey could dream that the enterprise might take on a life of its own, permanent and wholly unaccountable. The director was interested in the ability to go to an existing, as he put it, off-the-shelf, self-sustaining, stand-alone entity that could perform certain activities on behalf of the United States. Are you not shocked that the director of Central Intelligence is proposing to you the creation of a organization to do these kinds of things outside of his own organization? Counsel, I can tell you I'm not shocked. They were willing to literally put the Constitution at risk uh, because they believed somehow there was a higher order of things, that the ends do in fact justify, are justified by the means. That's the most Marxist, totalitarian doctrine I've ever heard of in my life. Senator John Kerry of Massachusetts, a veteran of the Vietnam War, is a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. If you can have a retired general and a colonel, you know, in uh, Mufti running around, uh, making deals in other countries on their own, uh, soliciting funds to wage wars to overthrow governments, and hide it from the American people, so you have no accountability. You've done the very thing that uh, uh, James Madison and others feared most when they were struggling to put the Constitution together, which was to create an accountable system which didn't have runaway power, which didn't concentrate power in one hand so that you could have uh, one person making a decision and running off against the will of the American people. What could possibly justify it? The fight against communism, of course. This nation cannot abide the communization of Central America. We cannot have Soviet bases on the mainland of this hemisphere. It means dirty wars and dirty tricks, lying in deceit. These operations were designed to be secrets from the American people. Mr. Niels, I'm at a loss as to how we could announce it to the American people and not have the Soviets know about it. Well, in fact, Colonel North, you believe that the Soviets were aware of our sale of arms to Iran, weren't you? We came to a point in time when we were concerned about that. Since our adversaries know about covert operations, the only people fooled are the American people. But consent is the very heart of our constitutional system. How can people judge what they do not know or what they are told falsely? It's something troubling Americans these days. All the neighborhoods around here who get to talking about politics, they all talk, they used to talk about bureaucrats. You know, they used to talk just about politicians, the kind of slick people, just like used car salesmen or what else have you. Lawyers get thrown into that whole pack, too. Now they're talking about the liars. That's what I hear all the time. Well, the liars are at it again, you know. 
We do live in a democracy, don't we? We do, sir. Thank in, God. In which it is the people, not one Marine Lieutenant Colonel, that get to decide the important policy decisions for the nation. Yes. It isn't the first time that men who express reverence for democracy in public have violated the values of democracy in practice. The secret government is an interlocking network of official functionaries, spies, mercenaries, ex-generals, profiteers, and super-patriots who for a variety of motives operate outside the legitimate institutions of government. Presidents have turned to them when they can't win the support of the Congress or the people, creating that unsupervised power so feared by the framers of our Constitution. Just imagine that William Casey's dream came true. Suppose the enterprise grew into a super-secret, self-financing, self-perpetuating organization. Suppose they decided on their own to assassinate Gorbachev or the leader of white South Africa. Could a president control them? And what if he became the enterprise's public enemy number one? Who would know? Who would say no? During the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, Lenin created something called the Cheka, a secret organization run by eight lieutenants reporting directly to him and filled with zealots who sabotaged and terrorized opponents. They made up their own rules, they chose their own missions, and they judged their own operations. You say it can't happen here. Well, before deciding for sure, let's look at the history of our secret government. World War II was over. Europe lay devastated. The United States emerged as the most powerful nation on Earth. But from the rubble rose a strange new world, a peace that was not peace and a war that was not war. We saw it emerging when the Soviets occupied Eastern Europe. The Cold War had begun. An iron curtain has descended across the continent. Behind that line, by all the capitals of the ancient states of Central and Eastern Europe. The Russians had been our ally against the Nazis, an expedient alliance for the sake of war. Now they were our enemy. To fight them, we turned to some of the very men who had inflicted on humanity the horrors of Hitler's madness. We hired Nazis as American spies. We struck a secret bargain with the devil. One that I know real well is Klaus Barbie. He was wanted by the French as their number one war criminal. And somehow we employed a man like that as a very secretive informant. Earhart Fabringhaus was employed in the U.S. Army Counterintelligence Corps and assigned to work with Nazi informants spying on the Russians. One of them was Klaus Barbie, the butcher of Lyon, who had tortured and murdered thousands of Jews and resistance fighters. During the time I learned that Barbie was really such a brutal murderer, I reported this to my headquarters and I thought I was going to get a promotion. I thought there was a big picture of a deal I had here, you know. And the answer was, uh, Dabringhaus, keep quiet until he's no longer useful, then we'll turn him over the French. Under those conditions, I thought, well, okay, let's work with him. You know, if you're an intelligence officer, you work with the devil. The Americans did not turn Barbie over to the French when they finished with him. They helped him escape to Bolivia. 
other top Nazis were smuggled into the United States to cooperate in the war against the new enemy. Fabringhaus still remembers the attitude of his superiors, the new enemy was the only enemy. They seem to have had a preconceived program of what the communists are up to. And if I send in the report that uh, there was a Nazi war criminal running around over there, forget it, we're not interested in the Nazis anymore, we're concentrating on the communists. So began the morality of the Cold War. Anything goes. The struggle required a mentality of permanent war, a perpetual state of emergency. And it meant a vast new apparatus of power that radically transformed our government. Its foundations were laid when President Truman signed into law the National Security Act of 1947. Now that National Security of Act, Act of 1947 changed dramatically the direction of this great nation. It established the framework for a national security state. This is the house the Cold War built, the CIA, the core of the new secret government. Its chief legitimate duty was to gather foreign intelligence for America's new role as a world power. Soon it was taking on covert operations, abroad and at home. As its mission expanded, the CIA recruited adventuresome young men like Notre Dame's All-American, Ralph McGeehee. I look back to the individual that I was when I joined the agency. I was a dedicated Cold Warrior who felt the agency was out there fighting for liberty, justice, democracy, and religion around the world. And I believe wholeheartedly in this. Um, I, I just felt proud every day that I went to work because I was out at the vanguard of the battle against the international uh, evil empire, international communist, the evil empire. Iran, 1953. The CIA mounted its first major covert operation to overthrow a foreign security council staff for that purpose. I think what I have said consistently is that I believe the president has the authority to do what he wants with his own staff, that I was a member of his staff, that Mr. McFarlane was, and that Admiral Poindexter was, and that in pursuing the president's foreign policy goals of support for the Nicaraguan resistance, he was fully within his rights to send us off to talk to foreign heads of state, to seek the assistance of those foreign heads of state, to use other than U.S. government monies, and to do so without a finding. Without a finding, there's a law which requires presidents to make a finding that the national interest will be served by a covert action and to report it to Congress in a timely fashion. The idea is to make sure that both the Congress and the executive, each elected independently by the people, are accountable for what is done in our name. But President Reagan gave himself permission to ignore the requirements of the law. And when he sold arms to our avowed enemy in Iran, he signed the finding after the fact and then ordered that it not be reported to Congress. The president becomes his own arbiter of the law in matters of national security. Or in Richard Nixon's words, when the president does it, that means it is not illegal. To put aside these basic values out of fear, to imitate the foe in order to defeat him, is to shred the distinction that makes us different. In the end, not only our values, but our methods separate us from the enemies of freedom in the world. The decisions we make are inherent in the methods that produce them. An open society cannot survive a secret government. Constitutional democracy, you see, is no romantic notion. It's our defense against ourselves, the one foe who might defeat us. I'm Bill Moyers. <laughs> 
were listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Stay tuned and we'll be right back with more. And thank you for sticking with us on a point that I think is very important as we look at what is happening in our country today. There's a saying that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And it's a message that has to be taken seriously by those who wield power across the world and the people who are elected by the people in the United States to ensure that we do not remain mute spectators to the abuses of power. You know, we do a lot of talking about um, the the pillars of democracy, and usually we are referring to judiciary, legislature, executive, and the media who have a responsibility and obligation to ensure constitutional checks and balances remain in place. And that is why tonight I am asking you to take a look at how corruption has embedded into what they will call, quote-unquote, democracy in our in our country and the way in which sovereignty, which is defined under the Constitution as the United States of America, is becoming something else. Now, you might ask, well, Janice, why the hell do you think, why are you wasting our time on this? It is because if we continue and we don't understand the foundations under which this administration is operating, November 3rd won't even make any difference because we don't have a consciousness about power, control, and the abuses that are possible, no matter who's the president. So I I want to um, offer something else, and our number is 347-838-9852. The only internal sovereigns that we have in this country are contracts which have become meaningless for the original peoples and the contract that there will be no external interference in our sovereignty. And and we all know that that is something that has gone bad way. It's gone. It's over. So we have to do a lot of thinking about the consequences that we face 
going into a presidential election. Because on November 4th, or November 5th, and I want you to stay with us in our clothes because I have also prepared something that is a, a final message about all of this in our clothes. But if we don't understand that once they break the code of sovereignty in this country, which it is almost already broken. I mean, uh, I made notes in in our chat room uh, about uh, Russian oligarchs uh, now have been part of Trump's whole operation in establishing an international money laundering cartel in America that uh, when Peter Stroke and Lisa Page had to leave the CIA because they were the experts on that particular part of the Trump operation, that uh, the awkward firing of two FBI directors the and the dismissal of an attorney general, Jeff Sessions, which wasn't a bad thing for us, but the dismissal and firing of inspector generals are implementations of all that you just heard. It's just different names, different things, different locations. It's all about breaking the sovereignty. And, you know, it's it's like if you decide to break up your family, get a divorce, whatever, however you do it, you're breaking the sovereignty of your family. And you choose who you bring in. And we've got a president who has been directed. You know, I get confused sometimes. I don't know if he's just really stupid Well, I do know he's really stupid. I don't know. I can't figure out why they chose him. So I'm going to round off this hour in this lesson about sovereignty and what it's all about. Because it is all about sovereignty. That's what it's all about. Thank you for joining us at Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Well, I think, you know, freedom, like everything else, like beauty and so on, lies a little bit in the eye of the beholder. Uh, freedom to do what? Mm-hmm. Marx was very clever. I said, yes, you can free a person from slavery, but what freedom is that if the next thing they are is enslaved to another system that treats them very similarly. Marx loved to use the phrase wage slave because he wanted to teach working people that when you move from slave or peasant status and you're now a wage earner, that may turn out to be another kind of slavery leading you to have to recognize that the further break has to be made and then Marx tells us how and why that's the case. And so America talks about its love of democracy, but when it comes to the workplace, our workplace looks very (laughs) crypto-feudalistic in terms of those at the top dictating and and shaping the destiny of those units. You're walking into a place where what you do, 
how you do it, what's done with the fruits of your brain and your muscle, are all handled by a tiny group of people over whom you exercise no power at all. They can fire you and do when they think it's in their interest to do so. This is the opposite of democracy. In a democratic workplace, you would say every person, every man and woman who is part of this participates in making the decision since they all have to live with the results. That's the democratic idea. And the modern capitalist enterprise is the negation of democracy. That's why it's always been so bizarre to imagine a system so fundamentally undemocratic in its workplaces should present itself as the agent or the, the bringer of democracy around the world. When the people who run the capitalist system keep running it for their own profit, and the number of them become smaller, and those of us who are watching our futures and our hopes disappear as they do it, they are in the end undercutting their own yeah. capacity to survive. I think we're at a time in the history of capitalism when we are all spectators to a self-destruction awaiting us to become no longer passive but active in making sure that the passing of capitalism leads us in a place that we will be happier as human beings to be in and that's a heavy burden on us but there's not much else we can do because otherwise we're going to let this system take us down with it that's very weird. We've got impending ecological catastrophe. We've got possible nuclear catastrophe. And we've got capitalist catastrophe tied to white supremacy, male supremacy, and all the hatreds, Jews, Arabs, Muslims, gay, lesbian. We are in a dark moment. Marx had a blue sensibility. He was keeping track of the darkness and the thickness of evil, but he knew resistance was always possible. I love that about him. And now back to Janice. Yeah, that's um, Carnell West and Andrew Wolf talking about the work of Karl Marx. And uh, I suggest that in our current situation that we understand that there are solutions uh, and the solutions have to come out of understanding how societies are attacked and the defense uh, for those attacks. Um, somewhere between capitalism, corruption, and the breaking of the uh, power and abuses are the solutions. And we didn't just start thinking about those things uh, today. Our number is 347-838-9852. I know it's been um, a heavy first hour, and we're going to lighten up a little bit, but I, I just feel an obligation, an a, a, a extra sense of responsibility to ask the question about exactly who we are as the man who joined the Nazi party but didn't participate. <laughs> 254, you're on the air. Thank you for your call. Yeah, hello. 254, hello. Yeah, hello. Thanks for can your you call. Yes, I can. How you, how you doing? I'm good. 
I'm doing great myself. Um, so, uh, particularly, um, you say your question is, uh, who are we um, that then joined the Nazi party? No, you must have. Did you catch, I read a, a, a section, an introductory section of Isabel Wilkerson's book, Cast, C-A-S-T-E. So you didn't catch that, right? I didn't, I didn't catch that part. I'm not going to lie. No. Okay. Okay. So what I'm really it. asking is who are we that's going to stand up against the corporatists, the capitalists, and the corruption that is essentially destroying this country or getting in the oh. way? Yeah, like, like I was trying to um, – I was on another another interview – and um, you're not being interviewed, sir. You're asking a question or making a comment. <laughs> okay. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. And I respect that. I respect uh-huh. that. But the answer, the answer to our solution is so simple. Like it's so simple, but the problem is, is that when you're living in a country that's hiding underneath a mask, and not willing to show his true self is what's damaging the people. Hello? And Yes, ma'am? Go ahead. You were fading out. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I do apologize. What I was saying was is that when we're living in a country that's hiding underneath a mask and that's willing to show itself as who it really is, then the only way that we can ever get this situation right in America as a people, and this is not no ideology, this is the answer for the people in this country. I don't care if you're black, white, yellow, blue, orange, or green, or white, you see. This country is hiding underneath the map. Give us a solution. Come on, come on. We're waiting for the solution. Well, the solution is something that we're not. The solution, I tell you, sister, God has given me the solution and the answer for uh-huh. our people and, and the people of these times. And 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 then life hit me with something else, and life said, "I have given you the solution." Uh huh. And what but is that? What is it? What is it? Not, but the people are not willing to stand. Uh-huh. Well, guess what? You're talking about the mask, this mask that you're talking about. That the United in order that, to pull it off. Uh huh. In order to pull this mask off. Uh huh. Don't hang up on me. I'm not. I just want to say this right here to you. I just want to say this right here to you. The solution is simple. But life has given me life has life has given me the answer. To the problem so this that is we're facing answer. in America. Okay, no, so not this my is answer. Your answer. Uh-huh. This, this ain't my answer. But I you said life has given you. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Get is to life it, answer. Ria. Damn, we we waiting. Whenever your government has gone rogue <laughs> or your government Sir. has been rogue you or is rogue. We, 
then we, we the listen. people of the United States of America, should stand up as a people of the United States of America and implement in America a new government. And I don't think we're ready for that because you got so many people on welfare. You got so you many people on You can't even get a constitutional convention going. Uh, I mean, were you with us when we just had 29 minutes of Bill Moore, uh, who is just a was a wonderful journalist and analyst, um, talked about how the deep state the dark government, the shadow government that I talk about on the yes. show all the time, is embedded and mm-hmm. how we have to, I think that's the mass that you're talking about. But right now we have a Congress that we can't even get COVID-19 assistance to American citizens from their own taxpayer funds funds uh, during this pandemic because we have a Senate that's locked down by corrupt and bought mm-hmm. elected officials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. ask America mm-hmm. today, if you ask America, if you took a poll today and you said, okay, how many of you are willing to stop paying taxes until it gets good? Okay. Mm-hmm. How many mm-hmm. of you are willing to go on a general strike? How many are, of mm-hmm. you are willing to go to the polls on November 3rd and at least take one strike out of it, and the strike would be a corrupt mm-hmm. criminal cartel brought to you by a lying president. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're, I I get ideally where you're coming from with your solution, but one of the things that, the, the reason that the deep state was able to take hold in this country is because it is the basis by which your government is built. Yes, and these people, okay. these people, these people that I'm talking about, these people that I'm talking uh-huh. about, they know who I'm talking about. Yeah. For yeah, I these gotta are go the to same other people. callers. Uh, but oh, I, I, just, I, I just want to say, I, I, just I want, really I just want appreciate. Uh huh. I just want to say this, uh-huh. I I wanted wanted to say say this right now. The uh-huh. same people that I'm talking about. They assassinated my great-great-grandfather, and his name was George McIntosh Troop, which was the governor of Georgia. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, anything you know, we got time to talk, we can talk about this thing in, 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 in his books that, that he left for our family. See, my family is ashamed because of the simple fact that um, as, a, as, as one who is considered to be called black in America, uh-huh. Well, you know, here's the thing. We all have um 254, please call back in. You you were waiting and you dropped for some reason. Um we we all have the stories. 
We all have the evidence. The evidence is there. The point of the matter is whether or not uh, 254 dropped. Um, and um, maybe one day we'll just talk about people's family history. Um, my um, family, your family. 646, you're on the air. 254, thank you for your call. 646, thank you for calling in. Hey, Dennis, crack is a hell of a drug, man. Sometimes it just resurfaces in your brain at some point in time, and you just start with gibberish. You know what I mean? And that right there was a perfect example of some gibberish or a troll, one of the two, I think. But hey, I don't, don't think, I don't don't think know. it was a troll. I think he was just yeah. trying to get in on the conversation and didn't have yeah. and didn't and have he, he the did basis for which what we were talking about. Okay, I got to go to All a right. break, Jay, hey, real quick. All right. Well, listen. Let's first start with your with your boy Trump. Whatever. No, no, no. We're not talking about Trump right now. Oh, we're oh, talking good. about well, sovereignty, abuses well, of listen, power, if, if you're and control. About if you're talking about sovereignty, then that's a did whole different... Did you listen different... to, did you listen to the clip? To you want to... I'm getting ready to say. I'm getting ready okay, to say. You... I believe in okay. sovereignty. I think that okay. the most important thing is that most black people in this country, number one, doesn't understand sovereignty when it comes to African people. If they understood African sovereignty, they would be looking to go home with bound. They would be okay, looking let, to... Let me, let me ask you a question. Jay, Jay, I'm going to ask you this question. Did you listen to the 23-minute clip at the beginning of the program? No, I didn't hear that Oh, okay. So you know what I'm going to do? Because we're going to talk about Trump after I come back from break. And I have one more call to take before I do that. And I'm going to put you on hold. And we'll get your comments on that because there's a lot to talk about. Is that okay with you? See how calm, see how calm I am tonight? Yeah, I am. <laughs> okay, we're going to go to 773. You're on the air. What's up? Good evening, Jenny. Damn. Oh, God. Hey, Alpha. Well, you 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 unmuted me, and I well, you unmuted me, and I hadn't punched. You unmuted me, I hadn't punched one yet. Oh, okay. You want to want me to put you on hold until after the break? No, 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 no. no, no, Political gossip. Because I did listen to the the clip you played from uh, Moyers. Mm-hmm. And um, it was profound. I want Absolutely. you to talking about, you speak of sovereignty. That was treason. Yes. Defined in its most, most clear. Apple, you're so smart. That's exactly why I decided to do this lesson on sovereignty, because we have to understand that everything is going on 
everything that's going on right now is around treason. Well, I say that because back up, back up one president or skip a president and go to the one before that. And the one before that. And the one before that. The traitor was Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon and all of the treasonous things he did. Not so much Jimmy Carter, because he followed Nixon. And the... But the deep state was was embedded under Reagan. Right. Well, right. Reagan came after Carter. So when you talk about... my, My point is this. Richard Nixon was a traitor. Ronald Reagan was a traitor. Donald Trump, George Bush, W.H. Bush, all of those people in that clip that you played were pardoned by W.H. Bush at the behest of Bill Barr. Mm-hmm. Thank Bill you Barr. for saying Bill Barr. Mm-hmm. Bill Barr was yep. the Attorney General. That's right. And he told H.W. Bush to solve this problem, just pardon them, and that's what H.W. Bush did. He pardoned those deep state, dark, dark, whatever the hell you want to call them. But Richard Nixon is the one who colluded with South Vietnamese not to accept the terms of the treaty, which continued the the Vietnam War, in which over 20,000 Americans died after that. Yeah, yeah, And, yeah. And the Americans that died, now Ronald Reagan's treason was on all ends, because Ronald Reagan made cut a deal with the Iranians to hold the house, the Embassy people hostage until he was inaugurated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fast you, you see, what we have to see is the relationship in the the, the relationship between corruption and criminals, capitalism. Well, yes, capitalism. Corporatism, the corporatists, and the criminals. There was another C that I I, I, I I can't think of it right now, but anyway, well, I this, had it. This, this, I, I know what the other C is. Clowns. What? Clowns. <laughs> no, we're spelling clowns with a, with a triple K nowadays. Well, thank you for for, for bringing that. I, I'm I'm hoping that it's a, a difficult thing to think through. And one of the reasons that I read from Isabel Wilkerson's book is because it gives us a demonstration 
that there are people who don't see themselves complicit but are. And that what is happening now is that, you know, people think that this this whole thing, the Kurds, uh, Saudi Arabia, and Kokoshi, what was the man's name, the the Washington Post journalist? The Washington Post. Um, oh, I can't pronounce it. I can't pronounce it. Kashogi. 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 Turkey. And Erdogan. I mean, all of, and, and Putin, and the Ukraine, and Crimea, all of it comes together to understand that the sovereignty has been broken. The, the, the pipeline that goes through, through South Dakota, that's a breaking of the sovereignty. And we need to really understand why the sovereignty 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 is important and how it is totally being corroded. Alpha, I'm put you on hold too and go to a break because you know I have to go to a break. I, I go to breaks like some people go to the break like at the end of the show I don't, or something I don't know, like, like that. You never explain to me why you break. I break because I have to realign where I am with callers and with my audience. That's what, and and drink some water. You're listening to Our Common Ground. And and I do want to make this point. Um, Last month I forgot that this program began in... September of 1985, and um, I got a, 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 a an email. I finally got a really nice email because you know people email me and call me all kinds of names and tell me I'm a what I am and I'm a racist and blah 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 the black supremacist and blah 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 blah. But I got a really wonderful email this week. And it wasn't from, um, I get a lot of email from the um, uh, foreign com- people in foreign countries, especially in the um, in, in strange European countries. Uh, but anyway, I got an email from a woman that I knew who was one of my listeners, listeners in the first radio station Uh, where Our Common Ground began, which is WPOM in West Palm Beach, Florida. And she wrote to me and told me how much she worked in the county courthouse, and she said when, uh, in this email, she reminded me that every black employee in the courthouse had their radio tuned to Our Common Ground, 10 to 2 o'clock every day, Monday through Friday. And she really missed me when I left. Then she said to me, 
And I had a little boy who was in elementary school who always talked about you, Janice Graham of Our Common Ground. We went to a meeting once, and he saw you, and he was excited like he had seen a real celebrity. And then he started that my son, she's talking about her son, my son started talking about I had to record your show. And I used to record your show so when he came home from school, he could listen to it. Do you know who that little boy is? That little boy is Joshua Johnson of MSNBC. Now, that just made my day on Thursday when I got that email. Because I think Joshua Johnson is a wonderful TV journalist. And I had been watching him, and how was I to know that he listened? He was one of the first fans of our Comet Ground. We're going to go for a break. Thank you for being with us. Our number is 347-838-9852. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now back to Janice. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Every 10 years, the census comes along, and it seems like everyone I know always asks the same two questions. What is the census, and why does it even matter? Let me give it to you straight. The census counts every single person living in America. An accurate count of our community tells us where there are more people, and where there are more people, there are more needs. Our participation could impact how public funding flows to our schools, health clinics, senior care, job training, and housing. It even determines our congressional representation. I don't know about you, but it sure sounds like the census matters to me. This year, take a little time for the 2020 census. You can complete it online, by phone, or by mail, and make sure you count everybody you live with. Your mama, daddy, sweethearts, babies, roommates, everyone. This chance only comes every 10 years, so let's step up and be counted. Shape your future. Start here. Learn more at 2020census.gov. Paid for by U.S. Census Bureau. No matter what, know your value. No matter what, know you matter. The I Declare Show, home of Real Raw Right Now Talk Media. I Declare Show is where we deal with the difficult, real raw, right now. The I Declare Show, Real Raw Right Now Talk Media. I Declare it. The I Declare Show, Tuesdays, 9 p.m. I'm Janice Graham, and I declare it's real, raw, and right now, the I Declare Show with India Declare. And don't forget to join Real Raw right now with I Declare, India Declare on Friday nights, 10 p.m.
I'm all about that bass, about that bass, 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 bass. says, we're not going to have boots on the ground, but now you got over a thousand soldiers. You know why there's going to be more? Because they're going to start killing some of those that we've already pulled there now. Because if you can't get 30,000 Shiites to stand their ground and they're fully armed, just a thousand Sunnis, and they drop their weapons, drop their uniforms, drop their draws, and run. What have you got? Because you know I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass. The Alpha Show. The Alpha Show. Fridays, 10 p.m. Just damn. Advanced political pushback. Talk radio on TruthWorks Network. Three Friday, he's all about politics. 10 p.m. TruthWorks And if you want hot grits with your politics, it's the Alpha Show on Wednesdays, 10 p.m. All these schedules, India Declare, I Declare, Real Raw right now on Fridays at 10, and the Alpha Show at 10 o'clock on Wednesday because he all about that base. We don't know what's going to happen in November. If he doesn't win the election, we don't know what he'll do. He's out of control. Nobody wants to guess what he might do. It's a very serious crisis. And for the world, not only because of U.S. power, but because the policies he's pursuing are are aimed at destroying the possibility of organized human life on Earth. People have to understand that not simply a matter of destroying American democracy. It's a matter of destroying the environment that supports life. He is massively trying to escalate the use of the most destructive fossil fuels. Every scientist knows this can't go on for another couple of decades. We're approaching irreversible tipping points. We have to do something soon. He's dedicated to making sure that we don't, to enrich his rich friends and himself. Nothing like this in human history. We're at a unique moment. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now back to Janice. And we thank you for being here at our common ground, bringing it. Boy, you just got late. What happened to you? And the other question I have tonight is, you all seen Mike? Where's Mike? And house music lover. Oh, wow. Mike, I haven't heard from Mike. Did did Alpha say something to offend Mike? I just want to know if Alpha offended Mike and Mike hasn't been with us for a couple of weeks. Um, Yep. 
in Washington, it was the Red Wedding. <laughs> Walter, Walter, what's his name? In uh, entered into the scary rose garden. I mean, I have been in in the rose garden, not in the Trump. Well, yeah, I I, I have been in the, in the rose garden, and it's really a wonderful place to sit. I don't know about what they what they've been doing, but Melania Trump massacred massacred that beautiful space, and maybe she put in all the sidewalks because you got to be a nut job, knowing if you've been to the Rose Garden at the White House, knowing knowing you got to go into the the Rose Garden. And you wearing six inch heels. Maybe that's why. Maybe maybe because she grew up in some place where concrete was better than grass. I don't know, but she massacred. But anyway, there was a massacre in the Rose Garden. And you know, I always have um some kind of shade, side eye. I'm still not so sure. And my number is 347-838-9852 if you want to get, because we're about to have a political gossip fest up here in our common ground. So if you want to get in on it, it's 347-838-9852. And I promised Jay I was coming back to him, and I promised Alpha I would come back to him when we started playing. But your president put on a shirt and a tie, made a video to announce he was going to the hospital. So he's at Walter Reed Medical Center because he tested positive. And we've got Ron Johnson, Kellyanne Conway, uh, 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 Chris, um, um, Chris from the, the former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. We got um, Mike Lee. All of a sudden, I, I, I'm, I'm not understanding this. See, I'm trying to put it in perspective. These people been running around with no mask in the middle of a pandemic with no precautions whatsoever, and. They all decided to text, text, test positive all at one time after the president tested positive. And I'm wondering if they're the support cast for some kind of political scheme that's going on. Because you've got a medical team of 12 people, including three pulmonologists, just pulmonary specialist, and you don't require oxygen. You're taking some kind of antibody treatment that your personal physician doesn't know crap about because he, the manufacturer of the antibody treatment, had to correct him this afternoon. Then they're lying about when he got it, I mean, I'm not, 
I'm one of those people, you lie to me once. Everything you say to me, I put in under the microscope. So my question is, my, my gossip is, does he really, did he really, does he really have it? Is this some scheme to take after such a disease? I mean, first of all, after five or six months of this man being exposed, uh, why did he get it after the his polling is plummeting? This disaster of a debate, whatever, whatever he was doing the other night, and his, and we found out in the country. Wait a minute, he paid seven hundred and fifty dollars, not seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, seven hundred fifty dollars in taxes in while he was the president. <laughs> Shit, I mean, excuse me, but damn, I paid thirty. Those two years that he paid seven hundred fifty dollars, uh, we were in here figuring it out. I paid thirty-five times more than the president of the United States paid in taxes. What? What? What the? Okay. So anyway, uh, so. I'm looking at all of this kind of side-eyed, and, you know, he tells a lie, and they all get in line to support his lie. Okay, so let's just say maybe. Then on the other hand, here we are. If if he's infected, they keep lying about when he got infected, and if he's infected when they say he's he got infected, he just put all these people who give him $250,000 to go to lunch, to have a, be in a luncheon with him, and they get, in addition to bad food, they get coronavirus, COVID-19 coronavirus. Okay. The number is 347-838-9852. I tell you, I'm not. Buying some of this stuff. Jay, you're back. Hey, Janice. He he may he may have it and he may not have it. I don't really think it has nothing to do with his Tuesday night performance. I mean, let's let's be clear. Biden could have done a way better job than he did. Now let's okay, let's don't okay, get it twisted. But he was still let's let's talk about his disaster. People are already mad with him. Them, okay, okay. I think both. I think both of them. I think both of them were a disaster on a on a certain level. I I thought that um, Biden had opportunities to really deal with Trump when he was being belligerent and arrogant that he just didn't take a take advantage of. But you know, hey, the bottom. The bottom line is, there's a month to go. I'm really, really, you know, more concerned than anything about what's going to happen with this Supreme Court situation because I, I think that's the key to Trump getting back into office if they could get this woman through because she's definitely going to. They're um, going to get her through, Jay. What is it that you know that I don't know? 
Okay, so if they get up to then hey, that that may be the deal because it looks like from from what I understand, three members of the judicial community done um what the virus they say and that still ain't 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 slowed the evil down, McConnell. But I mean, you know, I just it is what it is. You know what I mean? It's it's a situation <laughs> That's what he where said. Yeah, I mean it is what it is. I mean it really it really is if you think about it. It's you know what's gonna happen, you know I gotta say this to you and I know you probably disagree. To me to be honest with you, Janice, I don't think the Democrats are really that much different than the Republicans. They in to protect their whiteness also. You and called I'll go back into, to wait, Jay, wait, Jay, you called into this program when the title of the program was Tweedly D, Tweedly Dumb, and we had Dr. Wilmer Leon, and we talked about that. There has never been very much discussion, uh, very much disagreement on my part about they're tweedly D. The, the the Democrats are tweedly D, and the, the Republicans are tweedly dumb. That's why it was so important. And bringing it, boy, you missed it uh, for 23 minutes of Bill Moyers tonight to bring home that. But I will tell you this: if you go on the cor- corruption. If you go on the corruption and capitalists and corporatist wheel of fortune, anything will be better than a criminal cartel. I, I would I would agree with you on the point on the point that you know unfortunately sometimes things have to get worse before they get better, they say. They already I got worse. How much worse can they get? Oh, if you get it, I think, it, you know, to be honest with you, BJ, I think that it can get a lot worse. I think that in certain key states that are not run by Republicans, if Trump gets back in, orders, in office, it's going to get even more worse, I'll give you a perfect example. I'm in New York, and believe me, I know Cuomo and the other leaders of New York are praying to God that Biden gets in office for the simple fact they feel as though Biden will help them out in the state economically. If he doesn't, let me tell you, this state is going to be in serious yes. Serious, Absolutely. serious trouble. And, and it's not numbers. just New York. There's all this it's also. not just New York. Right, I agree it, with you. It is, but, it is not just New York. One I agree of with the you. things, one of the, I, I, let, me, let me just say this to you. One of the things, and, you know, we had a caller 254 who talked about the mask. The Democrats are more concerned about the mask than the Republicans. Which means that Democratic elected officials take seriously the notion of governing. 
for they 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 work harder for their votes. Okay. So um I'm 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 just saying this because in the whole purpose of the first hour was to understand that these people are invested in the deep state, in the deep state which destroys the sovereignty. You understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah, um, yeah. I'm... Okay, okay. Um, no, but and, I, and I, I'm, you know, you know, I could, I could, I could care, you know. I, I, I'm just hoping. And and I've never been a member of the Democratic Party or the Republican. I've always been an independent for all these 70, how many years, whatever. Don't y'all talk and whisper. But anyway, and there there was a reason for that, because I think the two-party system is is vile infection in our in our government in our society but if you don't if you if you understand the blatant criminality that has seeped into our government you know i i i i i'm i'm, I'm and and i don't think I mean, you know, at the debate the other night, and I, I and I, I was drinking a lot of scotch. I mean, I had, I, I had to drink scotch the night after of and the night after. Um, I, I broke, over I broke my double black Johnny Walker. Uh, uh, you better switch <laughs> over to some Hennessy or or, or some tequila. No, you better hey, leave no. that that scotch alone. I, I'm 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 definitely a Scotch drinker, but anyway, Scotch or bourbon. But anyway, um, it's some hard choices, and I know that once they break the sovereignty, and in and and the deep state takes over, takes totally over. You won't have no government. Nothing to work with. Not, I mean, you look at what happened at the Department of Justice, and you know for 20 years I've worked at the, the Department of Justice and Civil Rights Division, and you know there is no Civil Rights Division right now. It's been gutted that bad? It's, it's gone. Whoa. There is not a they, – they call it a merge. And what you do? wait. Huh? Emerge Who did they merge with, with? Um, uh, investigations where it would Whoa. get us lost? You know, no, no, no target. So, think about it. The Republicans have always had two goals: to dilute the uh, the civil rights legacy in government to disavow its responsibility to its poor and working poor citizens to make 
I mean, if you want to think of it, think of it deeper. <coughs> Excuse me, deeper this week. To make America white again. To make America's government. Where do they get that? Where do they get that? Make America white again. It's already white. That don't. That don't no, make no, 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 no. It's an ideology. It's the ideology of white supremacy. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Because, yeah. okay. no, they, whiteness is on the rise like never before. I mean, these people have to but, but, protect but whiteness. That's what all of this is about. There's, there's certain infrastructure within your government, Jay, where you can work from, okay? Uh, Jay, i got to go to Alpha because Alpha is also waiting, and we don't have a lot of time. You're great. Go. Uh, have a good night. Okay, thank you, Jay. Okay. Ain't nothing working here. Alpha? Yes, I'm here. Alpha. I'm here. Okay, yes, I'm here. You, get, you got about six minutes, seven minutes. Oh, gee, oh, gee. I'm, I'm so grateful here. I got to tell you. Uh, look. You all continue look, to. I don't call you. I don't call your show. And and talk shit to you, right? <laughs> Go yes, ahead. you do. Yes, you do. You did it Wednesday. Yes, you do. Don't take up my six minutes, okay? Let me have my six minutes. You all always, I hear you talking about Twiddly D and Twiddly Dumb, and then you turn around and you uh, basically tell us the difference between the two parties. The Republican Party is to do what? Make the country white again. Make the government white again. The Democratic Party, is, it does what? They basically reach out to include the other people in the country. Don't forget that's I said, right now, under the mask, under the mask. Under the mask, over the mask, without the mask. Look, <laughs> you're going to have problems. Attaining that that uh, that goal of that utopia of black people are helping to rule, because as long as they are in there, as long as white folks have power, they will keep power at all costs. And I do mean at all costs. What don't you understand about the? Sheer mirroring. The Trump administration mirrors the Reagan administration. That mirrors the Nixon administration. All of these people have committed treason. From W. Bush to his father to Ronald Reagan to Richard Nixon. And I think the only legitimate Republican president was Eisenhower, and I was too young to know the damn thing about him. But I'll say this, all of the Republicans, and people, it's not so much that we're Democrats. When I tell you the lesser of two evils, and when has this country been anything other than evil? There's it's a third party what third party? What has the Green Party ever won? And why are you running to the Green Party? What is your complaint? What is your le- legitimate complaint? 
to go off to the Green Party and have a, what do you call it, a protest vote. You might as well. Well, you know, my friend, my friend, Amo June Baraka no, 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 was no, 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 uh, don't do the that. vice president. Oh, okay. Don't do that. Don't, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. think he's he done was, with that. Yeah. And, and no, 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 no. Now he wanted he was he wants to try to distance himself, talking about he didn't know, and all of that old kind of crap. That is just that's black ego. And he had the ego that oh I'm I'm somehow a candidate for president that had no chance to go anywhere. So at the end of the day, after the election, they, they really ain't no good. But you had well, so you many know, people. The, the only chapter of the Green Party that really functioned was the Oakland. And um, the Oakland, California Green Party. I mean, the California Green Party. And... Um, the Green Party in South Carolina that was uh, that was headed the leadership was uh, Bruce Dixon, my friend who is deceased now. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm talking about all my friends, <laughs> but <laughs> but it it always comes down to this. But here is my 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 problem. We have to have an infrastructure. And then we have to fight for what comes out of the infrastructure. Right now, there is no way that parties who have an investment and who have jurisdiction in this country can insist that the Department of Justice support, um, and that's where it's going to have to come from, support uh, any version of H.R. 40 for reparations for uh, descendants of American chattel slavery. Well, the Department of Justice is a joke. The Department of Justice is a joke. And it's been a joke since Richard Nixon. That's the problem. The deep state, the the mass, the other... Lone Ranger, whoever the hell you're talking about, they've won. They've taken over. Yeah. They yeah. just don't want to break it um, to the people. Somebody in the chat room has a question for you, and it is, how do you explain a white majority in a house that voted under LBJ presidency for the Civil Rights Bill, um, where almost all Democrats voted no, Um and um, bringing it up, boy, I also want you to know that that was prior to the changeover of most black people who were not Democrats but were Republicans, and that came from exactly, um, exactly. I think yeah, I yeah. think that answers it. It answers itself. 
So, Alpha, you got two minutes. You got two minutes. What do you think about the president being hospitalized and having the COVID and the Red Wedding or Rose Garden Massacre? It is what it is. I'm going to tell you, I I, I predicted two days ago that Chris Christie would get it. And I haven't seen him yet. Is but, is, you know, uh, all, the, the, all the photos that I've been seeing is uh, Kellyanne Con- Conway, Con- Conley, up in, in Bill Barr's face, but Bill Barr didn't get it. What's really up with that? Got it Mark, okay, Mark, well, Mark Meadows me. didn't get it. Rudy wasn't there, but Rudy was at the prep. Rudy, Rudy, was, Rudy was on the plane. Rudy's been around most of them. And, and I said... Chris Christie would get it, Rudy, and I didn't just say Rudy Giuliani would get it. I said it would kill Rudy Giuliani in a matter of a week or two. Oh, okay, okay. Rudy, Rudy gotta, Giuliani gotta is going to get it. Uh, uh, don't forget to join Alpha on the Alpha Show on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. He serves hot grits with his politics. Um, I hope that we have learned some things uh, tonight here at Our Common Ground. Be safe. Uh, I hope we have learned the art of precaution in this pandemic. And I am, for one, going to see my my daughter and my grandchildren again, and I am doing everything that it takes. Uh, the other is um, let your friends know that we are here uh, each Saturday at 10 p.m. We we, we got to do something about these numbers. Um, since I have returned in April, uh, I'm not buying Facebook ads, which I used to buy every week. So um, we I got to do something, maybe charge y'all, Five dollars a month or something like that. No, I'm not going to do that either. Thank you for being with us. Don't forget that you have got to have information as power and change that information into power, translating it in the world where you live. Thank you for joining us at Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. I think it has to do with organized greed, organized hatred, and organized corruption. Not just in the White House, but it's the ways in which Wall Street domination, the ways in which the Pentagon, military and money, big military and money have come together and are beginning to suck out the rich energies of one of the great democratic experiments in the modern world, the USA, and all of its flaws. Its democratic elements and democratic practices seem to be so weak and feeble. Well, I think America has to acknowledge itself as an empire, make the connection between the, militariz- the militarizing that's taking place domestically, police, mass incarceration, and the 800 military bases, and the 211 interventions in 67 countries since 1945.
that connection between militarism abroad, militarism internally, needs to be wrestled with, something that Martin Luther King Jr. understood very well before his death in 1968. The 5th of November forever in our memory. His hope was to remind the world that fairness, justice, and freedom are more than words. They are perspectives. So if you've seen nothing, if the crimes of this government remain unknown to you, then I would suggest that you allow the 5th of November to pass unmarked. But if you see what I see, if you feel as I feel, and if you would seek as I seek, then I ask you to stand beside me, and together we shall give them a 5th of November that shall never, ever be forgotten. Thank you for joining us here at Our Common Ground. For all of you that have joined us in our chat room, we thank you as well. I'm Janice Grant. Join us each Saturday at Our Common Ground. I'll be listening for you, speaking truth to power and ourselves.